Hey guys, this is Joe Gomez. You're listening to Live in Color with Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13, to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Hey guys, welcome once again to Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Hope everybody's having a a great day, and uh, my man Jimmy across the street is here with me, and we got a very special guest today. Some of you, when I say the name Joe Gomez, you may not be very familiar with him. He did a lot of work in Florida, uh, has you know, old school guy, and did a lot of WCW work, man. Um, so he's got a great story, man. He really does, and I'm going to be anxious to share it with you guys. What do you think, Jimmy? Oh, I'm very excited. Here's the thing. So back in the day when I was, you know, around the time of just out of high school, we would watch Nitro, we would watch Raw, we would watch all those shows, and my buddies and I, we would always pick our favorite guy that was not a superstar. So like one guy, he picked Roadblock, or another guy would pick the Yeti or whatever, but my pick was always Joe Gomez. And we would, you know, like just kind of yell for him and cheer for him and stuff like that. And yeah, Yeah. man, I've always been a fan of Joe Gomez. It's funny that dude to me was always one of those guys that look like a star. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, Joe's a, I mean, if you've never been next to him in person, Joe's a big dude, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Long black hair, that vest. I mean, he was so cool. I was like, this guy's going to break free sometime, I promise. And we just kind of, I don't know, we probably called them jobbers or whatever. But still, it was yeah. just like we we had Car- our guys, you know. Carpenters. Carpenters <laughs> is the, is the it's the true term. So, yeah. So we just came off a cool show with Kiwi, man. And I think everybody yeah. is, re- we're getting good feedback on that. You know, I think everybody's surprised by how funny that dude is, man. Yeah. Man, I was having a blast. I know. I mean, yeah, it was all a blast. It was funny because, you know, to me, I didn't know him. And and honestly, his character, not nothing about his character, but what I mean is his character doesn't really show who he is, you know, which is the beauty of wrestling. You know, if you if you look at it, you don't have to necessarily be your gimmick. But what was cool is, is he's just hilarious, man. And just the booker. Would ca- would have capitalized on that and saw that and found that. Yeah, and they didn't for some reason with him, which is unfortunate. But what a what a cool dude. Good gimmick. I liked it. You know, obviously a continuation of my cousin across the pond, Screet Adrian. <laughs> across <laughs> <And> the pond. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, that's pretty. Good. Yeah, I thought of that when you came up with mine. So, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, and of course, the Jamie, man, the Jamie numbers keep growing. And another thing is, so I don't put all of our current shows on YouTube, although this Jamie show, it just made me feel like we should. So I went ahead and dropped it on YouTube. And, you know, it's not quite the level that it's doing through the normal podcast shows, right. but it'll get there. I feel like that's one that's going to just continue to grow and grow, you know? So, yeah. yeah. But have you heard any feedback from that show at all? Anybody, what their thoughts were on it? Um, on which one are we talking about? On the Jamie show. Oh man, everybody's loved it, man. I mean, I know for a fact, I mean, a lot of the boys have listened to it just because, you know, that we normally would not listen to anything. So sure. Yeah. 
They're and just then, waiting to hear the car wreck, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I think he came across very eloquent. I think you and he, I think y'all buried the hatchet in in a sense. Yeah. You know, it was, dude. I feel like that that right there is a sign of a great of a great year for y'all. Twenty twenty three is coming up. I think y'all have already started getting some convention bookings and everything, dude. So I'm, yeah. I'm thinking, you know. Something. Born in Pigeon Forge. We got some stuff working up north um, on a few different things. So, you know, hopefully that'll pick up too. I mean, absolutely. You know, and it's like, you know, one of the guys said, man, because I said, I said, Jamie's on board this year, man. And he's like, well, being on board and being trustworthy is two different things. Right. (laughs) Right. And yeah. I said, you have every right to feel that way. And I said, I'm not 100% positive on all of it, but uh, sure. he's given me his word and he's the one that reached out to me about it, you know? So there you go. That's uh, a start, man. That's a start. Yeah. So, you know, we can pray for that and hope that everything comes through. And it is 30 years of PG 13. So yeah. can't well, believe. that's kind of what me and Jamie, because 1993 was when we debuted in Memphis. We'd only been together probably you know, a year, maybe a year and a half or something before that, but right. uh, Yeah. I mean, when you hit Memphis, that's kind of when you hit the time, right? So obviously on Thursday this week, if you're listening on Monday, which, you know, is our show drop date, this Thursday is Thanksgiving Wolfie Mm -hmm. D. So what I was going to do to start the show before we bring Joe on and then I'll shut up. Mm -hmm. Just name a couple things you're thankful for, for, you know, well, I'm thankful for my health, first of all. That's been yeah. an issue. For, yeah. uh, you know, I'm still here. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I'm thankful for my girlfriend who's helped me out tremendously tremendously in my life. Absolutely. I'm for my kids, obviously, and this is in no particular order. Um, I'm thankful just to have what I have, and I'm not ungrateful for the things that I don't have, you know. Definitely. Uh, yeah, that's a good way to be. Yeah. Another another day above dirt, as they say. Absolutely, that you know the attitude of gratitude, right? Is that gotta have it? It's hard to have it sometimes, believe dude. Me. It is, man. It is because the world will beat you down. I I really like last night. I was just like not. I wasn't necessarily feeling depressed, but I was just not in a good place mentally. I was just like I was just man. This is like, dude. Everything is just brutal. It feels like the things that I work hard for. You know, it feels like I'm walking in sand sometimes or quicksand. You know what I mean? I'm sure everybody out there listening can relate to that. You know? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. You got to have a. You just got to keep on keeping on. Sometimes it's hard, but it's, it is, man. I'm keeping on. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the for keeping on, you know, so. <laughs> what are you thankful for then? Man, I am thankful for, I am thankful for my son, Cash, my wife, Michelle, my brother, Jared, and his family, my mom and dad, you know, my family. I'm thankful for Wolfie D. I'm thankful for this podcast. I'm, yeah. I'm you know, man, I mean, honestly, I don't know that, you know, wrestling to me, it's given, not only you've said that it's given you like a resurgence for giving a crap about wrestling mm-hmm. and it, it's also, you know, done that for me too, because now I'm like, well, man, you know, when you got a project, you feel good. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if somebody calls you up and says, Wolfie D, I want you to draw Coco Beware. I want you to draw somebody. You've got a project and you're like, man, I feel good. I'm going to drink some coffee, get, yeah. you know, get things going. I'm going to draw this up. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. And 
you know, dude, when you've got a project, I always can tell because you're like, hey, man, what do you think of this? He would think of this. And it's like his foot. And I'm like, well, where's the rest? And like, I just I wanted to show you the process. <laughs> I just keep going hyper-focused. You know, that's part it's of It's nothing. My, yeah, dude. That's awesome. Business, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, no. No, it's good, man, because that's, you know. I care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And you know. Let's, uh, let's get Joe on here and get to talking, man. I love it. You know, Joe's got such a cool story. I can't wait for us to hear it and talk about it. And I think, I think you're exactly right. So after these messages, Hey folks, to get your official live and in color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. All right, guys, we're back. And as promised, I got Joe Gomez on the line. Joe, what's going on, my friend? Not much, boys. Uh, I'm really honored to be here. Look forward to talking to you guys and bringing up some good old memories. Oh, man. Yeah. Last time I saw you was at uh, the Ric Flair gimmick. Um, yeah. But where I met you, I'll tell let the people in on that. I met you down in uh, Tampa when I stayed down there. I was down there for about a year and met you there through Shannon and a few other people. And we did the, the volleyball thing. I don't think you played volleyball with us, but you were there quite a few times. And we had, we had a good time. And I, I remember meeting you, man. And I was like, this is a big dude, man. This is a big dude. And, and, you just have this presence about you where I felt like this dude's connected in some kind of way, man. He's got to be like Tampa Mafia or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, hey, I, got, hey, I got a lot of very dear dude, friends. What was I'm it you said that Flair said? Flair said that him, Joe Gomez, and who's the other two? So, yeah, Rick Flair recently said that he, Tom Brady, Joe Gomez, and another gentleman are the four horsemen of Tampa. So <laughs> That would be Dino Traficani. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it there. Yeah, those are the guys. And then Kevin Maybe. Sullivan, of course, calls you the mayor of Ebar. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, those guys have, have have actually, if anything, helped promulgate or, or further that reputation. You know, give me the opportunity to wrestle and, you know, be on national TV and yeah. you know, travel with Rick and with Kevin. I've just been so blessed. And friends like you guys, you know. No, just, man. That's what I love about the wrestling business. You know, you, you never know where you're going to meet people. I met yeah. Wolfie down here in Tampa. Couldn't be couldn't be more of a gentleman and just and a true brother. And that's what our business is about. So absolutely, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, so uh, I know what your morning consisted of. My morning consisted of going to cardiac rehab uh, therapy oh. thing that I have to do now for the next uh, twelve weeks, three times a week because I had a had to have another stent put in my heart but uh not not to go down that road but why don't you tell everybody who you were hanging out with this morning oh wow yeah um we went to one of our local haunts in west tampa and had god who all was there let's see uh gerald briscoe brian blair steve kern billy alfonso another mutual friend of all of ours yeah uh lightning lou perez steve madison a couple guys local guys and buck quartermain Wow. 
Yeah. Where was Spavi at? Dandy didn't make it. Dandy usually comes, but uh, yeah. he, he didn't make it. Dandy usually comes. Al Perez usually comes. Uh, Scott McGee comes sometimes. I know Scott. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, good guy. Real good guy. So it, it's nice. Now I'm an old timer. So yeah. hang out with uh, You know, it's a lot yeah. of fun. He trained me and, 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 you know, in the business. And I've yeah. just been like a, a dear, dear older brother, uncle. Since thirty yeah. years, we had a we had a great conversation with Steve on here. He was nice enough to come on, and I know he doesn't do this type of stuff that often, man. And uh, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't like yeah. to. And but that's a hell of a compliment because he's uh, he is just one of the best people I've ever met. He really is. Yeah, and it's a good place in life right now with his state and family and watching his grandbabies, and he's just in a great place. So happy. that's awesome. Good. It's really good to hear. Jimmy, go ahead with some with some wrestling questions. I mean, bro, you know, I look at your list of accomplishments. You know, we recently had Reno Riggins on. Oh and, God. Yeah, that that'll, yeah, yeah, good Reno. Dude, good dude. Yeah, and yeah. Reno, you know, Reno is going down his list and he's like this, this guy, this guy, this guy. He basically says the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. And I look at your list, brother, and it's right there. I mean, but let's not get there just yet. So you were trained by Steve, who Steve is like our our icon of this show. He really means <laughs> so much to us. One of our first really big shows, you know. And yeah. You know, you were in his territory. Obviously, it wasn't Steve's own territory, but with the Grams and, you know, the... the well, no, the, I, no, I wasn't... If I, I can, uh, I'll interrupt you. I'm sorry for a second. I wasn't fortunate enough to have the opportunity to meet Eddie, but Mike was my first tag team partner. Yeah. Right, right. I, I'm sorry. I was I was getting to it, but I didn't get there quick enough. Oh, Eddie, okay. you were in the CWF that Eddie built, and you were with his son in a tag team. Talk about that with Mike, man. How, how was that starting oh. out with that guy, you know? <laughs> I gotta tell you guys, it was it was surreal because I was in a wedding. Actually, Lou Perez, Lightning Lou Perez's wedding. Yeah. And uh, Dusty Rhodes and Mike Graham came up to me and asked if I wanted to be a wrestler. And of course, after I uh, finished wetting my pants and uh, <laughs> you know speak again, I said, "Oh my God, yes!" You know. <laughs> but it took me like probably three months to get the courage to go down to the sportato- the uh, sportatorium because. You know, you always heard the old stories about how Hiro Matsuda snapped Hulk Hogan's ankle. Right. You know, and they always stretched the boys and everything. And again, that was a whole generation before us. Well, right. no, not you. Memphis is tough. But yeah. pretty much a generation before me, to be honest. Yeah. But I still was afraid to go. And then Ron Slinker, who was pretty much the enforcer there uh, after Roop and a real tough guy, you know, Vietnam veteran, camper yeah. cop that got fired for killing another guy and used to get yeah. an arrow in the wide world of sports, you know, five-degree black belt. He'd run into <laughs> me around town, and the gym would say, kid, I thought you were coming down. And, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir, I'll, I'll be there. And I, I would, like, run out the other door, you know, scared of my life. <laughs> but then finally, you know, other guys would say, you know, Joe, they really like you. You know, they blah, 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 they think they can make money, whatever. So I screwed up my courage, went down there, and, you know, it couldn't have been better. Steve Kern, as you know, guys, is like a, a big yeah. brother – loving kind of guy even back then you know he cared about you as being one of his boys and if he was going to put you out in the business and you were going to use his name you know he wanted it yeah. to be the right way so you I, I was very <laughs> and then to have mike graham as my tag team partner forget it it was ridiculous yeah. every night it was yeah. the same thing Pete on the kid hot hot tag to mike <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. a lot of fun and, 
and I'd be standing there, hey, Mike, we're getting out. I'd be like, yeah, kid. And he'd leave me in a cloud of dust in his Corvette, you know. I'd be like, oh, okay, <laughs> next time, you know. But uh, he was really good that, guy. Man, where, where everything wasn't on TV and you could go out there and not necessarily have the exact same match every night, but you know yeah. what I mean. You could still do the yeah. stuff and nobody would know the difference. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, mind you, I only had 17, 18 matches. You know, until uh, Ole came down scouting talent, we were uh, defending the tag team titles against the Nasty Boys. And they were there for them, obviously, not me. And Mike was, you know, past that prime going, you know, to go wrestle. He eventually went back as an agent. So I guess Ole liked something about me, you know, looks-wise, physical, whatever. So they signed me. And I really wasn't ready for that, you know. Mm-hmm. So and in hindsight, I'm glad I did it because who knows if you get another shot. That's what Kern told me. You know, yeah. I called them from the 13th floor at CNN Center because they flew me up. I'm like, Steve, they want me to sign a contract. Should I? Hell yeah. You don't know if you'll get that chance again. I'm like, oh, okay, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> they put me right on the road that day. I went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I go over the Sheik, the Iron Sheik. I'm thinking wow. to myself, this guy's yeah. going to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> but could not have been nicer. Could not have been easier. Oh, JJ. Uh, no, no, sir. My name's Joe. No, you're yeah. Joe Jabroni. I'm like, oh, yes, sir. Joe Jabroni. Yes, sir. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so cheeky. That is so cheeky. I remember the first time I ever met him uh, when we were in WWF. He just yeah. he looks over at me. And I mean, he didn't, we, you know, we probably shook hands or something, but, you know, I did not know the guy. And he's got his, his uh, he's done took a shower. And he's got his little, skivvies on and he's uh he's got his 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 bag open and he's got a brush and he pulls out a hairdryer and fucking like starts combing his beard his mustache and looking at me and smiling real big like he's blow drying it and it wasn't hooked up and he's like it's a trip man listen and he'd, he'd be doing shrugs with his uh suitcases going through the airport I roomed the first night with him and a guy named Al Green, God rest his soul. One of the yeah. master black. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, proceeds to get naked, of course. You know, we healed the room. Sure. Pulls the uh, cot out. I said, oh, I'll, I'll sleep on that, sir. You know, being respectful, of course. I was, oh, no, baby. I'll take the cot. It's mm-hmm. in uh, not Myrtle Beach. What's the one where the dollhouse and after day? Yeah, that is Myrtle Beach. Yeah, that's Myrtle, Myrtle Beach. Yeah. 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 The dollhouse. <laughs> well, not that. Not that we went there, but I just right. right. I get it. So yeah, put it in about forty-three <laughs> weather, and I'm freezing because I'm a Florida boy through and through. Right. Puts the cot halfway on the balcony. This a shoot. Leaves the window open. Of course, is naked. Climbs in the cot and goes to sleep. And he sleeps <laughs> like Kurt. He's making noises like he really does that. So I green in the other bed, naked, of course, showing me his tattoos, telling me how he's in a motorcycle gang and how they initiate them with young boys. I'm flipped out of my mind. You know, I'm fully dressed, freezing in a leather jacket. <laughs> so uh, next day we catch up. There was two crews back then. WCW was running two crews. And I see Flair running at the airport. They go, kid, what's wrong? You look horrible. Didn't sleep. I proceeded to tell him the story. Flair, Flair spits orange juice all over the seat in front of him. Oh, that's okay. It's fun. You can ride with us now. I'm, like, really? I'm riding with the horseman. I'm like, oh, this yeah. is amazing. So then that year I made 52,000. They paid me a thousand a week of which really I was probably worth half of that. 
cows in my first year running around with Flair and the Horsemen. So, <laughs> yeah, you were always getting in those situations. You can tell now that I know about you and know you, you can always tell that those guys were like, hey, let's involve Joe because you were always right there helping somebody out and they would attack you. I can't count the number of times that that happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, listen, I was the king of, uh, you know, backstage. Oh, here, brother, let me get you. Oh, the horseman. All of a sudden, they're attacking. Renegated Joe Gomez were left laying in a pool of their blood. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you get yeah. some kind of rub on that. <laughs> yeah, but nothing wrong with that, dude. You're talking about Iron Sheik. And, and you know, WCW 1990. First of all, I feel yeah. like that era of WCW, that early era of WCW, really, I feel like if it had somebody like a Vince McMahon running it, yeah. that would have been one of the greatest greatest companies in the world because I mean you worked with the fabulous Freebirds, Iron Sheik, oh. Buddy Landell, watch the hair, yeah. Stan Hansen. Yeah. <laughs> hey, some John Dog, God rest his soul. JYD, JYD. exactly. Yeah. Mike Rotunda. Rock oh. Yeah, rock and roll, you know. And you were in an eight-man tag with the Southern Boys, and you went over the Horsemen. I mean, yeah. dude. And then, of course, you were teaming with Wildfire on the Clash oh, of the Champions, fuck. too. So, yeah. I mean, they were putting it on you quick, man. They believed in you. I told you. He, well, they do. I wasn't connected. ready for it. I'm telling you, this is mafia money. He was getting. No, <laughs> 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 so well, you know what? It was just they, they, you know. Obviously, they had a certain, you know, whatever. If I had a physical appeal or whatever, but yeah, totally. know, I, was just green, I was green as goose shit, and I wish I had really, uh, you know, practiced more and done the things. But you know, it, let, let's see what do I do. And I run around Rick and on all the time. And get huh. drunk you know, and uh, <laughs> run around and, and with stewardesses and uh, everything else under the sun, or do I practice and you know diet and train hard and all that stuff? <laughs> right, I want to that. Yeah, Barry Windham too, and let me tell you, in the day, Barry Windham was the man, brother. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to love to watch Barry when I was a kid, man. I always oh, appreciate him. I felt I felt like I was one of those like like I've told Jimmy this. I felt like I was a smart mark before it was such a thing. But I appreciated everything. I, I didn't, you know, knock it or even like as a kid, I would protect the business before I ever yep. got in it to my friends. Yep. Well, see, <laughs> yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean because you loved it so much and you would never yeah. let anybody say I was the same way. Yeah. You know, people yeah. would knock it. I'm like, it isn't fake. You couldn't do that, you know, because I yeah. respected so much. You know yeah. what those guys did, even even at a young age like you, Wolf. I, I just always it was it gets in your blood, and that's yeah. it. You're done. Yeah. So now I got to ask this question because in that list, I know I read a lot of names there, but one of the names, I want to kind of draw some comparisons here because Wolfie D, you know, Wolfie D is one of those guys that was considered a carpenter. He hates that name. He had his shine and time, and but he also knew how to work and he was a working son of a gun. And I've heard Very many much. men say that. And just yep. like you, Joe, just like you, and you wrestled Stan Hansen, who is known for what? That blind knock your head off clothesline. Now, Wolfie D actually has a method that's tried and true to not get your head knocked off with clotheslines. But just talk to us about wrestling Stan Hansen, and then maybe Wolfie will give us that story. You know, Wolf, I, I was scared to death because I had seen him probably a few weeks prior. It wasn't much longer than that, maybe a month or two, at center stage. And he just shredded some guy's face because the guy didn't, you know, duck on the clothesline, whatever. And yeah. boom, God. nailed him with it. Yeah. And I was just like, okay. And I thought that was mortifying just to be there. Then I see my face on, I mean, I'm sorry, my name 
on the board, you know, on the TV thing, Gomez Hanson. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, probably seven or eight minutes, and he gave me quite a bit and could not have been lighter or, or, really? or generous. And he yeah. told me, after, Gib, I wish I had more time to work with young guys like you to pass it on. What wow. an absolute guy yeah. and gentleman. Uh, one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the business. But yeah. I, you guys know the tougher they it. are, the tougher they are, the nicer they are. You know, I'm yeah. one of the guys you'll meet in this earth. But yeah. Yeah, definitely the last guy you ever want to, you know, throw hands Miss. with. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Because they ain't got a Solana. They already know. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Nice guy and generous and giving. And, you know, yeah. he goes, man, I wish I could teach you more and have more time to really really you know teach us and sir thank you it was just an honor and it really was you know hell yeah. he was an handsome mark god mm, yeah yeah but what jimmy was referring to is my theory and and my my technique yes. that i used because i was always you know i mean me and jamie weren't the biggest guys you know until later <laughs> when when i started doing slash and put on all the size and everything but as pg-13 i was a lot smaller younger oh, yeah. than these bigger grown men and so I'm taking clotheslines from Hawk, from the Steiners, you know, and, and I'll throw one in there that may surprise you. I don't know if you ever worked with him, Perry Saturn. Perry Saturn's oh. clothes kill you. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's anyway. a bad dude there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, But my theory is to come in and right at the end, almost come in like a shoulder tackle. And I try to put my my shoulder in their armpit. Because yep. if I can crowd them that much, I can still make it look good. But all the velocity is yep. out on the hand. There are the highest velocity is out on the hand, also depending on how they throw it. But if I crowd them in, I can still make it look good. And they think it looked good and don't kill me. You're not, you're, <laughs> not letting them, you're not letting them whip it like JBL or how Barry Windham. I, I, do. <laughs> I, I know yeah. exactly. That's good. I wish you would have taught me that. I can't say anything, but uh, Sid Vicious yeah. was a little, too, God bless yeah. him. Yeah, too. I, I developed that through trial and error. Nobody showed me that. <laughs> you, just brother, you, you were a bumping fool. You and Jamie both. You guys can yeah. work, man. That's the thing about it. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. So you were tagging with Tim Horner for a little bit, and you wrestled Al Green and Kevin Nash of the Master Blasters. Horndog and Double A were best friends. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. We we would all try and Pee Wee, of course, got rest his soul. So right. We'd all travel together, and it was just man. Let me tell you, Tim and Tim Horner, and not only that, Tim Horner. People don't realize that you guys do, you know, because you're in the business. But he was one of the best hands. Him and let me oh, tell you, yeah. him and Brad, him and Brad Armstrong could have been tag team champs anywhere. They were, they were just good. at a weird time, man, because it was, yep. you're right, bro. Cause the, the rock and roll were kind of in their way. You know what I mean? Yep. And yep. I remember, I, I love that time of NWA Crockett. Oh. I mean, all that time, that's what led me to knowing who you were in the nineties is because I was a huge fan of all that era. And well, yeah, you. I just feel like the, the lightning express, they had that rock and roll express in the way and, and the road warriors weren't going to be moved. And, you I know, remember we also had the midnight express there too. Oh, out. totally, totally. And, and, and guys, you know, you're talking some of the greatest tag teams ever. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, let's talk about Bobby Eaton, man, because you were kind of in that, you know, in that realm of workers, the guys that were there that, you know, like Bobby Eaton would be brought out there. And, you know, Bobby Eaton's one of the greatest talents. I'm telling you this. I ever. think Bobby's one of the best ever. Absolutely. And yep. I love Ric Flair. Ric Flair's my favorite. You know, of course, I love Wolfie D, Macho <laughs> Man, you know, <laughs> Ricky, all those guys. But I'm telling you, I still think Bobby Eaton's one of the greatest of all time. So. Without question. Listen, Bobby yeah. can work with anybody and Arn will tell you that. You ever listen to Arn's podcast and just talk to Arn and you guys know him, he'll tell oh, you yeah. Bobby was one of the top in the history of the business. He for oh, singles. He just couldn't cut a promo. You know? Yeah. yeah. If it wasn't for that, Bobby Eaton would have been top five all time. He was unbelievable. Yeah. Alabama, oh. Jim, top rope. Oh my God. Yeah, oh, and yeah. all the and, the and the the main thing to me with Bobby was just all the, you know, he was calling in the ring, man. He's just out there yeah. on the playground having fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And well, he wouldn't even have to call. He would just go by touch, you know, and just yeah. go along with him, and he would put you where he wanted you. It's unbelievable. Right. I, I right. Yeah. Really, yeah. Un- literally. Again, one of the best guys you'll ever meet on the face of the earth. God bless you, so, man. He, yeah. There was a time when uh, in Nashville, me, Jamie, Gypsy Joe, a uh, kid mm-hmm. named Chris Michaels, and uh, I think maybe our midget lived with us. But we all lived in different apartments. <laughs> we all go, and, and Bobby would stay uh, sometimes. Uh, I think him and Don were having problems, and he stayed like a summer or something. But anyway, um, we all go down to the pool, and if you, I know you've probably seen Bobby around kids, man, but he was uh, so good uh, with my kids and, and and all the other kids that were there, and it, and it was just, it was like, man, Bobby's such a good dude, man, you know, the only thing that got him the bad rap, and it was hard to give him a bad rap, but the only knock ever has just been, you know, with problems with, with alcohol, man, and that's sad, because I, you know, I know that story all too well, but Bobby uh, was fucking badass individual. Yeah, they don't any better, and he always had that bag of candy. Keith, what's the candy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had anything in there, you know. Anything. He had the yeah. hockey bag. Remember, it was like a hockey bag when hockey yeah. players came. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I did a little managing. I, I'm not too much in the business, Joe, but I did a little managing in Nashville. That's actually how I met Wolfie, and so oh, okay. I walked. And I'd worked with Bobby, you know, I was a heel manager. I'd worked with Bobby a couple times in North Carolina and Virginia, okay? Very, uh-huh. very early, very green. Well, I, I get to this company named Saw, and Wolfie would kind of come in there when he wasn't working TNA or somewhere else. And on the back of the wall, you know, kind of where the, the old timers sat, you had yeah. Bobby Eaton, you had a local promoter named Mike Cersei, you had Reno and Wolfie, okay? I didn't oh. know any of them except Bobby. I walk up to Bobby, I shake his hand, and, and he jumps up and gives me a huge hug and out of the corner of my eye of course i'm a pg-13 mark so i see wolfie and reno he's awesome too and i look in the corner of my eye and they look at each other like who's this guy and they kind of like shrug their shoulders (laughs) and after bobby embraces me and says how you doing brother good to see you how you been all this i walk down the row i meet mike cersei and then i shake reno and reno's like okay well if bobby likes him he can't be half bad (laughs) you You, you were made right there (laughs) <laughs> it really was true, man. It really was. And I know Wolfie probably doesn't remember that. We've talked about it in the past. But what's funny is I just saw that they accepted me in their own way. Like, All right. He can't be <laughs> half bad. <laughs> if Bobby Eaton likes you, you're a good person. Because he yes. was the 
us, man. And I, like I said, I miss him dearly. I hadn't seen him in years, and it really broke my heart when Arn told me he had, he had gone. And such yeah. a good guy. Yeah. So you, you know, not to get off of Bobby because I could talk Bobby all day, but this is your show, Joe. We're going to dedicate this one to you. Okay. So. <laughs> The next step you do is you end up in IWA Japan, brother, working for Victor Quinones. Now, okay, let me just settle one thing before we get to the actual work in Japan. Is it true that he was Gorilla's son? No, no. Victor Quinones? No, I never heard that. Okay, because that was in, apparently I read online that it, in his obituary, it listed Victor as his son. So maybe it was like a, you know, a tributary kind of thing or something. You know, but, I, I mean, I knew his son, Billy Morella, you know, unfortunately, right. he was taking parts. He was a great guy, but I did not, yeah. I never saw Victor, no. Okay, well, we're settling that right now. But anyway, but you talk know, about. Guys, they never in our business. <laughs> yeah. Never. <seen. laughs> there you go. <laughs> Talk about IWA Japan. You're saying you're too green in WCW, but now you're in Japan. <laughs> well, you know, and, and and they had wanted me to go, uh, originally, God, they wanted me to go to Portland um, to go work for Arch Daddy, uh, Sandy Bar. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I couldn't commit to a full-time, you know, schedule in Portland. I just really had no desire to. So they right. sent me over to Japan a few times for a few tours, you know, just to try to get some of the greenness off, get me some, you know, some good ring experience and, and put me in with better guys, you know, cause obviously you're going to get better when you work with better guys. And, and I think it worked to a degree, but I just had, you know, I had other businesses going on, so I couldn't really fully commit to a full-time Japan deal. And, and Johnny Ace, who still is one of my best friends, you know, was over there for Baba. Yeah. And I had opportunity over there, but you know, it just, you know, I had bars here and, and restaurants and, and other things. And I, and I really wish I had committed 110% to wrestling because I do love it. Yeah. yeah. But at the time, I had other businesses that, you know, that required a, a commitment. And as you guys know, with your podcast, anything yeah. you do take pride in and that you really care, that you really want to be good, that you love, you're going to give 100% to. Absolutely. Yeah, I did, but I was just too, too, too spread out, I think. And Eric would always, Eric Bischoff always tells me that. You know, yeah. and he would always, kid, can't you just, and I'm like, Eric, I wish, you know, mm-hmm. give me every, I'm so thankful to him. Um, but, you know, at that time, I think I was just, and, and I think everything works out. You know, I ended up being, I'm, I'm very pleased and happy with where, where I am. And I got to meet some incredible, incredible guys, make some great friendships, travel all over and have the time of my life. So I, I really have no regrets, but I, I do wish I'd been a little more serious i guess you could say about the wrestling business perhaps but yeah. uh, everything you know turned out great i, I had yeah. Say. yeah let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope ass sponsors and we'll be right back with more live and in color with wolfie d Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're gonna wanna call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, bowiehomes.com. That's B-U-I-E homes.com. Or you can email him at benbowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. 
Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. So what led me to bugging Wolfie enough to get you on the show? <laughs> the, last week, of course, Wolfie had this idea for a possible show idea, and he sent out a mass text. And in that text, <laughs> some of the guys got heat and pop, you know, like some guy. But like you, you said, yeah, absolutely, whatever. He was going down the list of the guys that were responding. And he said, you know, da-da-da-da, da-da-da, king, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, Joe Gomez. And I'm like, you know Joe Gomez? He's like, yeah, I know Joe Gomez. And I was like, you know, the Joe Gomez. And I said, I said, here's the deal. And I just explained this earlier on at the beginning of the show before we got you on. So my friends and I, we were just out of high school. We loved Nitro and Raw. Okay. And, but Nitro was our stuff because we were Southern kids and Nitro was always the way to go for us. And then we would maybe flip over to Raw in the commercials. But we all had our underneath guy, our carpenters, as Wolfie likes to tell me to say. And, you know, one guy had road block the other guy had you know norman smiley and i had joe gomez and joe gomez was my guy so much so that whenever you would wrestle i treat you like hulk hogan literally and the whole match i would be like come on joe you're coming back coming back coming you know and i mean dude it was amazing because we were old enough to know some of the things about wrestling i still didn't know nothing about it but really thought i knew and i we always picked our guys and what's so funny is is i just remember like like just really just putting it out there. Like, come on, Joe, you got this one. You got this one. You, so you were my guy, Joe. So I just wanted to say that real quick too. <laughs> well, Jimmy, I, I, I appreciate it. And you know, like when Wolfie and I were trained, they say, if you can look out in the audience and, and make contact and really connect with that one person and make him feel what you're feeling and up and down and take him through the whole roller coaster ride yeah. of emotion did well so you're my one guy thank you hey that's I'm, I'm happy to be that guy joe i'm happy i always thought man i was like this dude is so cool looking he's got this long black hair he's got um i mean he's got the what are you like six five what are you i'm six three you know back in then in shape i was 240 you know 235 yeah. and uh you know i played yeah. football in college so athletically you know the, it wasn't the question like i said i just i think i was just too spread out all over the place you yeah. know, I had camp on here, a bar, a, a sushi restaurant, a bar called Cherries in Ybor City. And, you know, back then, Ybor City was just unreal. There'd be 30, 40,000 people in the middle of the street. They blocked the street off. You know, people yeah. just walked in there. And it was just crazy. You know, it was a great time, great money. You yeah. Know, and I was trying to balance that along with wrestling. And it was just, it was just too much, you know. And, and in hindsight, yeah, I wish I would have done the other. But like I said, I think uh, the good guy upstairs has a way of, you know, making sure everything works out the way it's supposed to. So, right. Right. But I did enjoy my time in the wrestling business and, you know, it's just such a brotherhood, you know, me and Wolfie, we never worked in the ring. We never worked on the same card. Right. Because we both been there. We both bled, we both sweat. And, uh, you know, it's just that, that, that bond. And that's what I love about it. It's amazing though. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, just, just really met each other in retirement basically for both of us yeah, and absolutely. Uh, there was you know a, a instant like okay i get you and you get me and you seem like a cool dude type thing you know what i mean yeah and it's just <laughs> unsaid and that's why to be honest i responded to that as well oh, D's guy. oh man anything for him he's a really <laughs> yeah. good dude you know yeah. and then dang always speaks so highly even some of our other mutual friends and yeah i said yeah like, i said i knew him back up there he was in the car business you know blah 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 
Yeah. So, uh, absolutely, man. It's uh, it's always good to to catch up with old friends. Yeah, yeah. and you know, kind of to backtrack just a second and kind of get you into yeah. the nostalgia of the old days and all that. I, when you were talking about you know getting the people, and Jimmy was talking about how involved he was watching you and and getting the people you know emotionally involved with you in the ring. Uh, sure. Don't you just totally miss? I mean, and the the pressure for the match to me was so much easier when there was baby faces on one side, heels yep. on the other, and the referee would come tell you the finish, and you go out there and you do what you know how to do, listen mm-hmm. to the people, you know, and 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 have your match. It was just the pressure was off because it was just like go out there and just do it, you know, instead of yep. remembering four bazillion things. Uh, that may not even work for that particular crowd. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know what, well, that, to me, that's the biggest thing. And Paul Orndorff told me as I was coming up, you know, kid, don't worry, you know, blah, blah, blah. It takes about a thousand matches till that light bulb turns on. Yeah. And I agree. Now that I've had a thousand matches, if my body would let me, I, I feel really confident about, about being able to do it to work really well because I get it now. If right. you think you're going through slow, slow down, you know, <laughs> never, Stop selling, keep moving, you know, all the little things that we learn, you know, through the years. And then once you have it all put together, well, now it's too late, you know, because <laughs> I didn't, you know, do it for 10 years straight, solid, 320 nights or 300 nights a year, you know. Yeah. So that's my one regret because I do get it now. And you can watch a match and say, ah, oh, maybe it would have been good if you did this or that, you know. Yeah. But you're right, Wolfie. But when you know what you're doing, and the constraints are off. And you don't have to go through a script. And with some guys, it's great. You know, DDP used to write his matches out on four pages of uh, the legal pad. And for him, it worked that way. Yeah. But I agree with you that you got to react to the crowd. If they're, they're yeah. not responding to this, let's try this. You know, and as yeah. long as you know what the finish is and the heat spot is, well, flesh it out. Yeah. But I couldn't do that with 17 matches, and I was a deer in the headlights, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> and I've been known come up with like hella long finishes but to me that's the part they remember anyway all the other stuff is just dressing i mean you had a good high spots a couple of a good heat spots something like that sure. the rest of it sure. is just dressing and then let's give them a good long unpredictable false finish filled finish <laughs> hey you want to pop them and if yeah. you pop them you did your job absolutely yeah. i couldn't agree. and yeah. i just wish you know i had had the experience and the ability to do that when I was younger, and I didn't, you know. But yeah, uh, and what are you going to do? Listen, where did you play? Where did you play college football at? I uh, played at uh, Garden City, Kansas first, because I might have had a little bit, of little uh, academic problems. When it was a GPO <laughs> in the Jayhawk Conference, and then I went to University of Louisville. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, we were, I was in '86, the year uh, we won the national title in basketball, actually. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Never nervous. Purvis Ellison as a center. Yeah. A lot of fun. Man. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Wolfie knows Louisville well. <laughs> yes. Oh God, you guys both do. What are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Every yeah. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. 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 Every Tuesday. And, you know, we always are talking stories about Louisville some way, whether we had Dean Hill on who tells us about, you know, his associate locking out prints at the gardens or Wolfie D talking about, you know, <laughs> never mind, girls coming up the back. Never mind. We, we'll skip on that one. <laughs> Those were the glory days of the territory. <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. Are gone now, but. I know what Wolfie's talking about. That Memphis territory was supposedly one of the best. It was <laughs> out of all, all the boys, 
all you guys, all you guys that worked that territory, Jimmy, they were the best because they would tell the girls, "Come on down," you know. Right. Say, Tuesday night's my birthday, you know. And they'd be working the gimmick in every town, so every yeah. single <laughs> girls are coming up with cakes. And Bobby Eaton was the best at that. Cakes and pies and presents and oh, it was unreal. Unreal. That's genius. <laughs> it's genius. It's and genius. Blair would do it. Blair would do it. God bless him. He'd do it like if we were in Tampa. We're gonna be at Cherries. 18 to 28, no boyfriends. Come on yeah. down. We'll be in yeah. Terry's and Eve, you know, and he'd give me a $5,000 night, you know, pop. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, we went awesome. I can hear Edith singing, Thou's worth a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. That's awesome. So you brought it up and, and, you know, yeah. to me, he's the goat. He's the greatest of all time. And I don't know another one that will come in the future. I don't even know that anybody can, because to me, Ric Flair is the greatest person to ever lace up a pair of boots. So now you know him as the wrestler, obviously, and you know him as one of your best friends. So tell me this, I'm not asking for specifics on names or anything, but just give us a good nation story. Guys, listen, he's 73. He'll be 74 in, uh, in February, and he's still, he's still got it. There's a yeah. place right by uh, his condo where he lives in Channelside, which is the up-and-coming area, right by the ice hockey rink. And there's a $2 billion development that uh, Jeff Vinnick, the owner of the Lightning, and Bill Gates are developing and, you know, wow. right back down. Pretty amazing. And uh, he lives right there in the middle of it. You know, he's got his boat there, the Woo, which is a 30-foot yeah. 350s on it. That'll go about 92 miles an hour. That'll <laughs> that uh, um, beautiful boat. But yeah. uh, he goes down and he'll go to a place called American Social. And it skewers much younger, obviously, you know, 20-somethings. <laughs> and yeah. I'll be damned He's not FaceTime me. Oh, chief, look at this. Oh, this is, and I'm like, I gotta go. You know, I have my, <laughs> my daughter with homework. Oh, chief, you gotta come down here. Listen, I've got Audrey and up. Oh, I gotta go. Scotty, who was that? Oh, no, I, I don't know who it was. I mean, it was wrong. Number. That was yeah. Rick, was it? Oh, no, no, I, I don't think it was. Scam you call, know, I think. <laughs> he's got a love of life that I've never seen. You know, he's seated death three times. Right. Yeah. And seven years ago, I went, you know, unfortunately saw him in a coma. In Atlanta, we didn't think he was going to make it. Yeah, and he—he's unbelievable. His love, lust, and love of life, and just his enthusiasm over everything. Of course, he loves the business more than anything. But yeah. this isn't as about spending time. He would, you know, with you guys, he would have a great time sitting there talking about the business and him and Lawler and in Memphis, and because he yeah. loves the business and he loves being with the boys and chewing it up with the boys. And he's yeah. a great friend, you know, through my, some of my toughest times and vice versa. You know, we've been there for each other, you know, loss of his son and, you know, other horrible things. My parents, uh, you know, I've, I've spent five, six Christmases at his home with his family and Arn too, for that matter. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's the thing about our business. And, you know, Wolfie's been in longer than I, or perhaps. No, right about the same. I think I started training. In uh, the end of 1989, I was 15, about to be 16, and then well, was been in it long, longer than me. You know, I took breaks here and there, and you know, went back to the bar business and came back. And you know, you have been consistently, you know, earning your living from the business for whew, 30 years, 25. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got a lot more under your belt than me, and you know, just all the people you've met and the experiences you've had, you, you, you can't. 
you just can't match it anywhere. You know, just yeah. the brotherhood. It's yeah. it's really yeah. special. And, you know, when you're with a guy like when Wolfie, you know, growing up, Lawler's his idol. You know, he's yeah. close to Jerry. Sure. You know, and I was close to Rick, and he was my idol. It just makes yeah. everything even more special. You know, it's, it's crazy. You're like, I got to pinch myself. I'm running around. We're there. <laughs> Tagging with Jerry Lawler's son, and you know, it's just you know, we're blessed. We're both very, very fortunate. Yeah, and and I mean, that's constantly a debate on this show. Actually, is what's funny is we'll always ask some because I mean, I'm a Ric Flair Mark, Mid Atlantic kid. Wolfie D is a Jerry Lawler Mark. Now, don't get it twisted. You can reverse that. I know Wolfie loves Flair. I know I love Lawler, but at the same time, there to me, they're always one and two in that remark. You know, of absolutely so amazing at their craft you know flair and his bill you know lawler and his punch you know they're right. flair and, and his yeah and when you yeah. have the sap shits on you know yeah and, yeah. and you know joe having worked <laughs> memphis for so long I've, I've told jimmy this before but i'm telling you man to this day if jerry lawler is walking down the streets of memphis in his gimmick and he pulls the strap down Motherfuckers would take off running the opposite way. <laughs> Listen, guys, I know the ratings that you guys drew there for the past 50 years. And if you do that on national, that means like half the country would be watching. Those are the ratings of Memphis Zoo. It's, it it'll never crazy. be. Yeah, they'll never be touched again. I mean, literally half the city was watching or three quarters of the city was watching their program. You know, yeah. That's, yeah. So I don't know that there would be another Jerry Lawler either. The way that he right. ran his team. The money that he made, the way that he stayed on top for four decades, uh, they'll never be another Lawler, they'll never be another player because of longevity. You right. Know, quality right. They have. Well, you know They're what? In stuff. general, in general, uh, another thing that I've said a bunch of times today, we will not have the superstars of the past. And what I mean by that, there's still a few of them around Dolly Parton. Yep. Uh, yep. uh, Willie Nelson, you know, people like that. And I don't mean just singers. There's some old athletes. I'm talking about the people that you do not see uh, pictures of on TMZ looking like shit or right. you don't see right. them out places because you know what they do? They get on yep. stage and that's it. Yeah. Superstar. Now I know Flair and Lawler. They, you know, get out and do things and in, in Instagram and shit. But I'm talking about Elvises and just yeah. mega stars of the past will never be again. Yeah, I agree. I think that's so observant. And I read a quote somebody said, "There's no movie stars anymore because right. they don't, you know, they're grungy and all this." I think George Clooney is about the only guy that kept any of that aura. Yeah, of the yeah. old. And I understand it's a it's a necessity now to keep up or whatever, but it's like when you're on social media, it's almost like the people start seeing you as their friend because that's yep. what it's called on social media. Yep. Friends, They're, you're you're no longer that star that is untouchable, and well, uh, just because of the way it is, and 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 like just going out to the gimmick table, for instance, I, I, and I, Jimmy knows this one too. I used to get mad at Jamie because he'd want to go out every single night, and I said no. You're trying to make fucking friends out there. I said, I want them to think that we are a, a step above that. And that's not being arrogant. That's being a star. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You're uh, right. Always want to leave them we want to leave them wanting more. And I, yeah. I couldn't agree. Never be first at a party. Never be last to leave. And I live my life <laughs> like that. I mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. I mean, listen, no more John Wayne's and there's no more Elvis Presley's. No, and there isn't. Just, 
And there's no more Ric Flair's. But here's the one thing about Ric Flair. Let me just shoot my shot here. You know, you brought up the idea of Flair coming on the show. We're open to that anytime he wants to. (laughs) (laughs) Sometime when we're chewing it up here, like he just this past week would have been good. He had the week off. Yeah. He's gone. He's going to go see Mongo in Chicago. I'm going to go try to meet him Saturday. Yeah. uh, Because he's doing really bad. God bless him. Um, so uh, he's going to go see Mongo. Rick's been so good about that, man. He's probably gone to see Mongo eight, nine times. I've gone about four or five. Yeah, yeah that's Rick's a bad situation. Yeah. Guys, he, one of the toughest, strongest physical. I heard you say earlier when you saw about moving somebody in the ring, Mongo was that guy that you're trying to move. And I wasn't a ring general, but I need more than him. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> yeah. in the ring, and it was just, nah, <laughs> nah. He's a block of granite. And oh, there's, there's plenty of uh, YouTube compilations with with some of his stuff. I mean, even like Sullivan trying to move him around and just different people uh, that are like, golly. <laughs> you, know, yeah, you know, yeah. what's funny about Mongo is everybody talks about how his footwork wasn't proper for wrestling. If you watch his footwork, that's a football player's footwork right there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. So maybe it doesn't translate exactly to a wrestler's footwork, but he was still, I mean, I don't know. He was not the worst in the world. I'm just going to say that, you know. Given the fact that he hardly trained, he was a natural. And it's like Flair said, that's why Flair always loved him being a horseman. He was a legit tough guy. And he fit the horseman. He fit the horseman. He definitely. Oh, yeah. Listen, Mongo would go out on a, I remember in Philadelphia, we lost him for three days on the tour. (laughs) I can't remember the name of the place in Philly. I know you will, Wolfie. Um, Delilah's. Okay, <laughs> yeah, Delilah's. Yeah, didn't pick him up three days down the road, and he he Man. was rare form, brother. Yeah, <laughs> he did not. But he uh, he was a great, great, great guy, and, and just a, a real personality, and you know, gave a lot to the business. I think you know, even as a commentator, he was tremendous. I yeah. thought so too. You know, you talk about these guys like Pat McAfee now and stuff. Mongo kind of opened that door for those guys in my sense, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, and he had yeah, yeah. And he had the gimmick with the dog. That was just hilarious. I mean, and everything he said just seemed real, you know, like his opinion really mattered because, hey, look, I may not be Ric Flair, but I can punch that dude in the mouth and he's going to feel it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Listen, he came right off the. 85, possibly the greatest uh, defense ever, and he was a, yeah. A, yeah. Uh, a main cog of that. And he had the beauty queen wife, and it's like he would always tell, always tell me, Mongo, maybe you should you know, slow down. Kid, I got more money than I got time on the earth. <laughs> what do you say to him? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that, I'd love to be able to say that. <laughs> well, you know, I used to always do that. I told Rick this the other day. We were somewhere. Oh, we were watching. He's got a uh, uh, maybe I should. Well, he's got a new um, documentary. documentary, yeah, in uh, December called Finding Flair. Yeah. And we went and watched it yesterday, you know, to preview it and everything. And it really, they really did a good job. It's with WWE, really? and yeah, right. it's awesome. Um, it's like a big time producer director too. I, I can't remember the name, but it's big time. It's going to be legit. Yeah, sure. it's really, really well done. It's fair, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was. Even is it for in. theaters or is it going straight to streaming somewhere? No, it's going to be. I think they said December twenty sixth. They're still up in the air about when they're because they pushed it back two or three times. And they yeah. some more. In. But gotcha. we were talking, you know, and I I told the because uh, the guy was asking me, Ben, the director actually, 
Ric Flair stories. I said, well, I used to always love to say, oh, this is my favorite one. Kid, I've made ten million and I've spent twenty million. I'm a bit, mm-hmm. I want to be like you. No, no, no. <laughs> do as I say. Don't do as I do. But I, you know, I always wanted to be like him. You know, because he was. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Time, I never. So let me guess. You are you in the documentary? No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. I thought they would interview you or something for us. No, <laughs> no. This this dealt with a lot of things. You know. The plane crash, uh, the, the 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 ride from hell, the plane trip from hell, and yeah, yeah, you know his loss of read, some other things. But now these were all, and, and it was WWE produced. I was never in WWE. Oh, I got you. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. I, I did a yeah. really, really good job. It was, it yeah. was awesome. Cool. Yeah, you know, you brought up earlier, you brought up Al Perez. Well, now our boy Wolfie D does a pretty good whirly bird, too. So, you know, yeah, speaking of that's it, who I stole it from, too. Yeah. I, when I started I doing it, he had been out of the business for a long time. I hadn't seen it done. Yep. I used to love it when I watched TBS, the whirly bird, and I adopted it like in about 2000, 2001. <laughs> yeah. Great I, move. I, I've seen both of yours. Yeah. Al's a good, good, good guy and a very good friend. He's uh, happily retired here in Tampa, a real good family man. You know, I had, had a few health issues, but he's doing he's doing well now. Yeah, that's cool, man. His manager was the guy that I tried to model myself after with Gary Hart because I'm oh. a six two bald guy. So you know, trying to you know some of my wrestlers weren't as tall as I was, so I always <laughs> had to make myself shorter somehow. So yeah. oh. you know, yeah. Gary, so. let me tell you though, no better guy to model yourself after Gary Hart to get heat, brother. Oof. Oh, yeah. In the back, too, I've heard. But at the same time, you know, I brought, I had an interview with Greg Gagne on another podcast. I brought Gary up to Greg and Greg was like, why would you bring him up? And I'm like, oh, God, why? What do you mean? Wow. And he said, oh, he really screwed me over. So I'm like, OK, sorry, we'll take that out of the show. Sorry, Greg Gagne. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm sure Greg you got a lot of Gary Hart stories from you. Oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah, yeah. I kind of just stepped away from that, and he explained it a little bit. But you know, one guy I want to talk about before we yeah. you know, kind of wrap things up with you here is you know you had a little run there, like you said. You know, you found yourself in the in the hallway beating up with the renegade. You know, that's one guy that I, I you know at the time I remember. The whole deal was supposed to be, you know, the warrior, kind of a, a makeup of the warrior. Yeah. But then it kind of turned into such a sad situation that obviously he's not yeah. here anymore. And I know a lot of people have these videos on YouTube, like, you know, the worst wrestler in WCW or whatever. But I mean, the dude, it sounds like he kind of got put into a business. I'll let you tell the story. It's a tragic story. So. It, it is. And, and Wolf has been around there probably a million times with other guys in the Memphis territory when they try to create a monster or, you know, yeah. like, or humongous or whatever. Yeah. And they tried to create this one in uh, Warriors likeness, you know, for Hogan to get that win back over Warrior. Right. And right. I think that they thought it would be easier for Rick on a learning curve. I knew Rick, actually, I knew Rick from Tampa years and years prior in the bar business and just a good guy. You yeah. Know, I believe he's actually from Georgia. So he was just a good old country boy and. You know, got a little gas, gassed up to put the weight on because he wasn't that big, you know, down here. He was in the entertainment industry, but another faction. Right. Uh, so when he got up there, you know, right after they did the deal with Hogan, you know, and he didn't catch on and didn't get over, they kind of just tossed him aside. And yeah. I think that was real tough for Rick, 
you know, because, I mean, they were literally, I was there. We were at Bash of the Beach in 94 when I was signing, and it was in L.A., and Rick and I were just mean, and, you know, Jimmy Hart, who is the best, as you know, Wolfie, just mm-hmm. one of the best people you'll ever And he was always trying to push ideas for the young guys, you know, trying to, you know, because there was such a glass ceiling for us there. And not oh, yeah. Much music, I didn't really, you know, work as hard as I should have, to be quite honest. But a lot of the other guys that did, you know, Disco, Chavo, uh, Ray Ray, uh, you know, just so many of my young friends that we all hung out, you know, you're not going to break that glass ceiling when you've got Piper, Macho, Hogan, Nash, Flair, you know, Double right. A, and rightfully so in some of the cases. But, right. it, you know, it was just so hard to break that glass ceiling. And I think when they just saw that Rick maybe didn't get it, um, and they kind of tossed him aside. Then, you know, Jimmy said, no, no, let me do this. Let me do this, darling. And he put myself, Rick, Alex Wright, some of the guys that they really didn't have direction for, tried to do another group of us, you know, the young, I don't even know what the name was. And it was just a preposterous video with us, you know, on the beach, taking our shirts off and walking or whatever. And he tried, you know, but to his credit, he was just trying to get young guys a spot. Yeah, right. right. You know, they put Rick and I together and it just, you know, then he had some personal problems with a young lady and, you know, I guess he just, uh, you know, couldn't cope with it all, but it's a shame because he really was a great guy. And, yeah. uh, yeah, that was a real terrible thing that happened. But well, we saw, you know, um, hell, I was in Memphis when they were trying to recreate Razor Ramon and Diesel and we, we all uh-huh. know Glenn hung on and made it through, but the other guy that was doing Razor, I think his name was Rick as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, but I don't think he ever did anything after that. So, I mean, they, they were totally set up for disaster. And, I mean, even bigger props to Glenn Jacobs for for making it. You know what I'm saying? He really yeah, yeah. Right. came for that Isaac Yankum, too. Isaac Yankum yeah. and fake uh, Diesel. So, he really right. overcame two uh, albatrosses. And yeah. Christmas creature. In I was just fixing to say the Christmas <laughs> creature. Well, oh, hey guys, how about this? How about Kevin Nash? Vinny Vegas, Odds, Odds, oh, yeah. rather. Oh, yeah. man. The yeah. Blaster. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, a lot of bad yeah. ones are there, too. I guess you got to give them credit there. You know, <laughs> Kevin's, Kevin's gotten charisma out the door, plus he's 6'10". So, you know, he, he's not the Quasimodo either. You know, he can, he can <laughs> you know, he can get yeah. around. Brother, sure, but, brother yeah. trust me, when he was young in the day, he could go, too. <laughs> he was, bro, oh. Yeah, him, we broke in together. Actually, yeah. I got married to him for like a month with the Master Blasters in 1990. Kevin's a yeah. good dude, man. Yeah, and and it just. Yeah, I know he's lost his son, Tristan. That was so tragic, man. You know, because you think of alcoholism and unfortunately killing someone through alcoholism. And and this is maybe sounds harsh, but unfortunately it's common knowledge now. But, you know, to take someone who's 26, you know, that's man. Oh, yeah. But it just must show how much poor Tristan was was drinking for it right. to be able to affect that way. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. don't know. But yeah. yeah. Tragic story, man. My heart goes out to him. Kevin's a good guy. And really, really, really was proud of his son and really was proud of being a dad, too. He was a good dude. He was a good man. So and it you. seemed like, you know, they had kind of gotten over some of their issues that they had had that got on TMZ and you know, Wolfie brought up TMZ a minute ago, but they got some national headlines that wasn't the greatest. And then they seemed to really connect with this podcast, which that's one of the podcasts I listen to all the time. He and his co-host have a lot of, you know, magic together, much like Wolfie D and myself, you know, live in <laughs> color. <laughs> I can't say names, but, you know, one of the biggest podcasts 
you know, he does his and he hates some of the guys he does it with. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah. you guys do have great chemistry and a respect for each other and in a friendship. And you're right. I think Sean and Kevin have a great chemistry and I, I love yeah. the podcast. I really do. Yeah, what's funny is Wolfie lives in Kentucky, just north of Tennessee, just and I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we knew oh, each other. That. Yeah, so I, we yeah. you know live living in Nashville in the in the wrestling scene, we got to know each other, but barely. Yeah. I mean, we knew each other as acquaintances. I would sit there and listen to Wolfie complain about the booking at this specific. You know, <laughs> I don't maybe shouldn't say that Wolfie, but anyway, <laughs> I would listen to say you know Wolfie would say, and I would ask him opinions on something, and then long story short. You know, what was it a year and a half ago? Now I call you up and I'm like, Wolfie, I got this idea. Not at a podcast. Let's do a podcast. You really need a podcast. I love it. Here's it. And he'd already said, Yeah, let's do it. And I'm still trying to sell it to him. <laughs> that's awesome. And you were just and, excited. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because yeah. I've been thinking about it for months, and I'm like, man, I need to get with Wolfie D. He's the guy I like had been building in my head, and yeah, it, it all came out at once. <laughs> What's good with getting Wolfie is because he broke in at the tender age of 15, he's yeah. been able to have so many generations follow his career. Exactly, you know, exactly. You got to capture more viewers that way, I would think, than the average guy. Well, you know, he knows the old timers and he's young enough to have worked with the new timers, you know, so it's it's kind of a blend of that, you know, but we do get better shows with the old timers, though. Let's just say that, you know, so <laughs> yeah. well, there's, there's more history, you yeah. know, and, and you guys said it best, the era that we all lived through and the Wolfie and I were blessed enough to have been able to uh, make a living at, um, it's never going to be that way again. The Harley right. races. The Jack Briscoes, the Dusty Rhodes, the Ric Flair, the Marty Pipe. I don't know the we'll see characters like that again. You know, no, Dick, definitely uh, not. Dick Slater. I mean, we could go on and on. Yeah. Um, you yeah. Know, and uh, uh, Joe, man, it has been yeah. incredible having you on, catching up with you, man. I'm, I'm, I, man, I'd love to be able to come down and see you. Uh, if you ever been by, I've got a beautiful condo right on the beach. You all come on down, Reddington Beach. We'll do a damn oh. podcast there in the sun, sitting on a goddamn paddleboard. Let's do it. <laughs> Sounds like let's do plan. it. Yeah, it's uh, my guy. I had a great time. And flattered. Thank you. Yeah. It, it's like forty degrees today and yeah. cloudy, and it's just right. not really fun here. But yeah. uh, again, thanks <laughs> for coming on, man. Great stories, and uh, we'll be back in touch with you. I mean, certainly sometime in the near future. I'd love to hear some more stuff, man. Been yeah. great. Look. Tell uh, all the honest. boys Thanks. I said hello. Uh, Already did. Told the boys at lunch. I'm going to go do a podcast after this, and they told me to give you their best. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. That means Thank a lot. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, right. listen, the, it runs deep in Memphis, boys. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Thank you, guys. <laughs> this has been Wolfie D for Jimmy Street and Joe Gomez. Next up, I bet you can't guess what it is. Current <laughs> Affairs. DJ, hit the music. It's a current affair It's a current affair Loving in color It's a current affair All right, we're back with Current Affairs. And once again, Wolfie D, this is the Thanksgiving week 
version of current affairs. We just had the amazing Joe Gomez. My God, what an amazing story that dude has. He's one of those guys like Reno that can just say, like, I've wrestled Mount Rushmore, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, to kind of kick off current affairs, I'm going to go with the biggest one here recently is Logan Paul is currently coming off the critically acclaimed match with Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel, and he shredded his knee, it sounds like. It sounds like he tore his meniscus, his MCL, and possibly his ACL. Has that burned at this point? Do we know this for sure? Well, that's what he said. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I, just watching it, and I'll let you ask your question here, but just real quick, just hey, watching that match, because I did watch it, I couldn't find it. I was like, where Spot. the fuck did he hurt his knee? I, I, I don't see him. It, I didn't see a knee thing land awkward. And, and not that it couldn't happen, but um, I'm just, I was just trying to, I was having trouble trying to find where it happened at. I don't know. Yeah, I, maybe. Who knows? I, and what he, how he did it or whatever. I don't know, but go ahead. What, what was your, I probably killed you there, but just no. ask the question anyway. <laughs> I mean, that was, you know, that was the question, but you know, the, the, the biggest thing about that was, man, I feel like the dude went all out. I mean, people critically acclaimed is kind of what I was saying there. You know, a lot of people really were impressed by his, his match and, you know, Roman, Roman seemed to give him quite a bit, you know, he treated him as an equal. So what, what did you think, brother? Yeah, I, I thought it was a good match. And how many matches is that for this guy now? Three. Three. Yeah, I mean, to be in that position on your third match, I mean, uh, hopefully, I mean, he takes that as a great, great honor. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I don't know. I'm not claiming one way or the other. I don't know. But I just hope that is his attitude. But, yeah, I mean, for a third match, man, that was, that was good. Uh, the only thing I would – say it would be like his his fire with the people in which will come and then a couple of in my opinion timing issues but not much not much right right and you know i think you're exactly right on that i did not notice much at all in the way of fire and saudi arabia might have been the place to really get that you know because they're gonna pop for people you know right they still think King Kong Bundy's alive, you know, that kind of stuff. So they're going to pop for, for the wrestlers. But, hey, dude, third match, I mean, yeah. you know, impressive. Obviously, yeah. he's going to get some traction there because of his, his followers and YouTube listeners and all that. I mean, you know, the guy is a big name. It's a no-brainer for the WWE to pair with them. But I will say this, his brother Jake... I don't know if he punches the same way in the boxing ring. <laughs> Did you yeah. see that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, if well, you're saying because I, I didn't think they looked good, so I hope that's what you're saying. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. Did uh, not look good. Oh, yeah. And his punches look great. I was going to go, whoa, whoa, you. Uh, Which one? Which one? Yeah. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah, no, they were horrible. And do you think it was just the knowledge of how to throw a punch and he just didn't have it, essentially? Is that yeah. If somebody worked with him, they might could probably teach him, I would imagine. But, uh, you know, or they tried to teach it to him right before he walked out, you know? <laughs> yeah, so. we recommend the king. <laughs> probably. And I did watch this too, and, I, and this may not be in your questions, but I just thought of it. Did you see? I believe it was the girls' match in the golf cart. Yes. Yeah. I don't. What well, did I miss something there? What were they going for? Because 
I don't understand putting her on there and driving her down to the ring. And then I, if I remember correctly, they really didn't do nothing off of it. I, 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 what was that? I think it was just a gimmick, man. Bianca Belair defended her Raw Women's Championship against Bayley in a last women's standing match. During one instance of the match, Bayley was seen on top of a golf cart while Belair drove it. And yeah, I mean, it was just nothing. There was, I mean, it just didn't happen, you know? So I don't know what was supposed to happen, but it did. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Probably just a missed spot. And, you know, WWE doesn't do that a lot. But, you know, I talked to Magnum TA on another show. I compared a situation that you and I had talked with Jerry Lynn about, how the camera completely missed that backdrop that you took on the outside of the ring. Uh And Magnum was talking about why he likes that WWE scripts everything, because they don't miss those spots. Right, right which is why they script everything now. But, you know, a lot of it does have a bad effect because it comes across too scripted. But in those right. instances, they don't miss shots like that. And, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe that golf cart deal was a missed spot, too. Who knows? Right. Here's the thing, too, is that they've been now they've been doing that for years. And you set up in Channel 5 back, bef- you know, before everything was scripted. You had somebody, Jerry Jarrett, Randy Hales, whoever was up there in the booth right. there with the yeah. TV people. They're watching, you know, mainly the widescreen version of everything. And so they won't miss nothing. But then they're telling, go to camera this, go to camera that, go to camera this, go to camera that. That's called a director. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it, man. But, hey, you've ruined my point. It does make it it a lot easier because I I did the one thing for the flare gimmick. And, yeah, I had to know a couple of different things. And, hey, go wide here. Go, you know, be on the headset. And so it does make it easier if you know it's common. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're exactly right on that, brother. So, well, I guess let's go ahead with our next current affair here. My next current affair is this one. It's super simple. Jeff Jarrett. He's that nine lives of he's the cat. (laughs) of pro wrestling in that he is nine lives in this business. And he is now the live events and international business, probably a vice president or something of that for AEW as he turned back up on TV a couple weeks ago with the chair shot to Darby Allen, or I'm sorry, the guitar shot to Darby Allen. Yeah. So anyway, he continues to (laughs) continues to be in the business and relevant. As always, on his feet, like you said, a cat always lands on their feet too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That so. can be his gimmick. Jeff always land on my feet, Jarrett, or uh, Jeff come out smelling like a rose, Jarrett. And you know, he's got a couple of different options there. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's what I mean. I've said it from any time we've ever mentioned Jeff. What do I always say? He's a businessman, dude. He's a businessman. And that's what businessmen do. They make deals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just, they, hey, you got to give him credit, right? I mean, Absolutely. seriously. Yeah. And I mean, that's the that's the one thing I will say about Jeff is I don't know him personally. I know you do. But, you know, to me, that guy, he will always, he's so intelligent to keep himself always somewhere relevant. You know, that's just, hey, whether he's not in the business, he's just doing a podcast. There, whether, there's another one. Jeff, yeah. intelligent and relevant, Jarrett. Yeah, Jeff, intelligent, relevant. The the <laughs> the cat, Jeff Jarrett. The no cat. way. The intelligent, relevant Jeff Cat Jarrett. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's trademark, Jeff. Can't use that. 
Yeah. Well, you know, hey, good for him. Hopefully, you know, hey, hire Wolfie D, man. That's just a no-brainer right there. But, hey, we'll talk about that some of <laughs> it would be it'd be a nice thing. <laughs> yeah, that would be a very nice thing. Well, okay, so you know, being that another, this is going to be our third and final current affair here for the day. Mm-hmm. This one is related to Jeff Jarrett, but not directly, as this is Road Dog. And Road Dog recently got himself in a little bit of trouble. And first of all, I think his comments were very misunderstood in that he yeah. essentially said that he felt like he was a better sports entertainer than Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, what he's talking about is the 90% of other stuff, not the in-ring necessarily. He's talking yeah. about the other stuff like on the microphone entertainment yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's exactly what you're talking about and i i understood what you're saying and people want to they just want to bitch about anything you know that and i mean he's not brett was a was a great wrestler but what he was saying was the money's in the sports entertainment yes brett made money brett sold gimmicks you know what i'm saying yes but yeah brett on the microphone not not no comparison to road dog i mean and i'm seeing people oh road dog he he was the worst part of the man shut up everybody knows oh you didn't know and who did that him that entrance alone was what people loved you know what i'm saying oh totally yeah he, he was the weak link shut up (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're you're exactly right. And you know, like Road Dog explained it recently that what he meant by saying that he was a better sports entertainer than Brett. If you ask me to go out there and entertain a crowd, I would have different ways to do that other than grappling and wrestling. And, and he stands by his comment to this day, meaning right. that he knows he's not a better technical wrestler than right. Brett. But I mean, what would you say the percentage of the whole package is that like a fifth of it? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's kind of changed though. <laughs> With the, the new fans and the new wrestlers, that part of it is trying to be manipulated or it has already. I mean, yeah. I do th- you, you got to be able to do some more stuff now and, uh, yeah. and do and have the charisma too, but, uh, be able to talk and just have that X factor. But, Yeah, I mean, Brett always wrestled like he, you know, he, I mean, it was like he felt like he needed to carry on his dad's legacy of that style of old school. I mean, super old school. And there's a place for that, man. There is. I mean, I can't, I can tell you right now that if you and I were to turn on a Bret Hart match, I guarantee we would be entertained by it. But there were some of the other things, you know, Brett was charismatic in his own way and he certainly carried the company in a time i mean you can speak to this i mean there's been pro wrestlers that have allegedly said that when lawler and jarrett left memphis it went to hell that's what allegedly but we know that's not true but if you were to compare you know memphis after lawler to WWE after Hogan. So yeah. you all are there and you all in the Rock and Roll Express literally are carrying the territory with other guys, but honestly, you know what's up. Right. And, and then you've got Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels carrying it after Hogan. So, I mean, I don't yeah. know. There's there's a comparison there too, you know? So Yeah. <laughs> and we will go viral now that I've compared PG-13 <laughs> to Bret Hart, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let it let it happen. 
<laughs> but so. no, it's just and and like what he was saying also, uh, uh, Road Dog. You know, he's been given a platform to give his opinion, and now people are mad at him because he gave his opinion. <laughs> it's like that's that's it. Hit the nail on the head. That's how it is now. Yeah, it is. It is definitely that way now. And you know, I'm I'm kind of bummed out that you know people are. I mean, well, I'm more than bummed out that people are so sensitive about everything. They just they go for the and you know the companies that put this stuff out, the ones that are bad about it. It's just like with the media, with politics, things like that. They go for these headlines that 99% try to encapsulate what's in the article, but they really don't get the entire story. Totally now, off. Yeah. Yeah. In that clickbait headline, right. you know, exactly. it, it's, That's it's, what yeah, they want somebody to click on it. Let those ads play. I mean, it's, it's genius in some ways, but in other ways it's like, dude, come on, read the article first, you know, listen to the podcast, you know? Yeah. After you listen to ours, of course. But anyway, well, I, that's it for current affairs today. Unless you have anything currently you'd like to complain about. So. No, I complained enough and, and gave my two cents for the day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I hope everybody has a good Thanksgiving uh, from my family to yours. And I'm sure Jimmy's family to yours. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and tune in next week to Live and in Color with Wolfie D. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling the podcast that's based on the old school but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise. This team does it all, and all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. That's right, it's the Talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, booty call on Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. 
Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at Warren Wolf 13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at Live Wolfie D. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cat for you don't. He got a cat for you don't. I got a cat for you don't. He got a cat for you don't. And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still lobbing in color. Don't rush your mother. Utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD. And I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Title suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping Wrestling's first white boy coming out hip-hop Been doing it like this since 92 Played low for a while when you thought I was free Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected Mad skills, no faking, there is no one great Cause I'm bringing more folks and over one for later Not here to play games, so you better be right You don't like me, so what? I really don't care Like time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped You suck a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped When I finish, I'll straight knock you out Please allow me to tell you what it's all about Gonna wind it up and I'm driving it home It's Ruby D, baby huh. I got a cap for your dome I got a cap for your dome We got a cap for your dome We got a cap for your dome This has been a James Rock Street production